this morning. Luke chapter 12, verse 35 to 48. Verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. It's a start, isn't it? Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. Take note of that verse. I don't know if you've seen it before. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, Blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming, and he begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what what deserved the beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. I'm sure most of you have come across a little piece of paper that's called a round to it. Have you seen a round to it before? If not, you've just been served. Round to it's a little tongue-in-the-cheek reminder that uh, there are some things we need to get on with and uh, we can't just procrastinate for the rest of our lives, right? Tell me, what have you done in your spiritual life since last Sunday? Since two Sundays ago? I think last Sunday Dave spoke on evangelism and a few Sundays ago he put out a call to anyone who would like to clarify what God's Word is when it comes to the Gospel and to come and see us. Well, I think to date no one's seen us yet. So my question to you is, what have you done to prepare yourself to speak the Gospel message? Do you know it? Do you need a round to it? How would you feel about a building company called Round to It Construction? Would you hire them? I wouldn't, because I'd never know when they would actually get round to doing what they said they would. They might even charge me differently to what they said they'd 
would as well. Well, you see, sometimes in our spiritual lives, we have this attitude, the round to it attitude. Are you ready for Jesus' return? As you sit here this morning, is your relationship with the Lord in such a state that He can return today? Are you ready for His return? That's basically where this passage is going this morning. You see, Jesus reminds His disciples and all those listening, and that includes you and I this morning, that while we are not to be worried about the present and where our next meal is going to come from, if we see our hope in Him, we do, do need to be watchful about the future. And the best antidote to hypocrisy, if you think back to verse 1, to covetousness, if you think back to verse 13, the best antidote to worry in verse 22 is to get a perspective on the bigger picture. You see, if you see the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ as the big picture in your life, then all these other things will start fading away because your priorities are right. You will start living your life in light of His return. And that's what the Lord is calling us to. And so we ended with verse 34, last time we met around this passage. Where is your heart? And the passage challenged us, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, where are your eyes focused on every single week? Are they on His coming again? Or on your everyday and everything that jumbles through your life every day? Because it will set your priorities. And so it's a natural progression for Jesus to step into this next passage where he says, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps lit. Stay dressed for action, literally saying, stay dressed in readiness for the task that you have to do. The literal translation was, let your loins be girded about. Now we don't quite understand that anymore. In modern terms, wear your spandex. Be ready for action. And I'm not thinking further down there. Be ready for action. Don't get so encumbered by everything in your life that you can no longer serve the Lord. Is your attitude still one of staying dressed for action? Or have you got those spiritual slippers on? You've relaxed. You're chilled out in your walk before the Lord. You see, we need to stay alert. We've just heard this morning about Satan attacking the church in Waka. We need to stay alert. You think he's not going to attack us because he's busy over there? He can find us when we've got those slippers on. Stay dressed for action, says the Lord. Get your loins girded about you. The loose cloak tucked up so that your legs are ready for action. That's to be our spiritual position before the Lord. 1 Peter 1 verse 13, I'm sure that passage would have jumped to your, to your mind where Peter says the following. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see the attitude? Are your minds still ready for action? Are you about the Lord's business? Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps lit. Now, we don't think much about that today because what do we do? We want light, so I flick a switch. And if the electrician's done what they should have done, light will come on. 
Well, those days they couldn't do that. They had oil lamps. And there was quite a job in keeping an oil lamp going. You had to trim the wicks. You had to make sure there was enough oil in the lamp to burn in the first place. Otherwise, what would happen? It would grow dimmer and dimmer and then stop working. What is Jesus speaking about here? Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps lit. Well, it's an active readiness. It's an active readiness he's calling to his disciples. You've been with me for all this time, but stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps lit. It's an active readiness for the Master. You see, if you are not in active readiness for the Master, if you are not getting the oil of God's life into you, you will never be ready for Jesus. You won't. Keep your lamps lit. Trim those wicks. Make sure you're filling yourself with the oil. And I'll come back to the application a little bit later. Be waiting, says the Lord. And he uses the parable here in verse 36 of a watchful servant. Be like a watchful servant waiting for his master to come back from a wedding feast. Now in those days, wedding feasts were long things. They went for several days. And the master would stay away. He'd put his servant in charge and then he would go to the feast, but then he would return with his bride. And you'd better be ready when he comes back with his bride because what master would like to find his house in disarray when he comes back with his bride? Be ready like the servant, the watchful servant, who is there waiting for that knock on the door. Looking out for the, for the Master coming. Is He coming now? It's an act of readiness. You see, that's what Jesus is saying. It's not a passive waiting. I meet so many people, and I find it in my own life, before I point too many fingers. We are passively waiting on the Lord. We're waiting. Come on, Lord. God doesn't want us to passively wait for Him. It's an active staying in readiness to serve Him. And we're serving while we are waiting for Him. Do you think those servants would have just been sitting there? They would have been getting that house ready for the Master to come and waiting and watching for His arrival. You see, there's purpose to our waiting. It is being ready for the Master. Just imagine for one little bit, who does babysitting here? Anyone? Oh, what do they call it now? They still call it babysitting. Imagine if you hide a babysitter and you go out, take your wife out as you should as a good husband and you come back and you open the door and there's the babysitter, feet up, ciggy in the mouth, everything is in chaos, kids are screaming food all over the walls. What would you do? Be Christian now. You see... The purpose you hired that person for, they haven't fulfilled. So are they a good babysitter? No. Would you hire her again? Or him? Would you hire them again? Of course not. You see, so in human terms we can understand that. How come we have the same attitude when it comes to our spiritual lives? I'm happy to go day in, day out without opening God's Word, without feeding my soul, I'm happy to go day in, day out with, without serving the Lord's people, without getting in my car, putting, getting put out of my comfort zone to serve others around me. And yet I expect more from people around me. 
He says, keep dress for action. Keep your lamps lit. Be waiting for your master. Why? Look at verse 37 to 38. It is really interesting here. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Are you awake spiritually? I'm not even speaking about now. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself. Who's the he we're speaking about here? He will dress himself, that's the master, for service and have them recline at the table and he, that is the master, will come and serve them. I bet you those servants would never have expected this. Here comes the master home from his wedding feast. What does he do? He doesn't say, all right guys, get the coffee out. I'm ready now, serve us. No. He gets the servant's apron on. He tucks up his cloak. And he serves his servants. Would they ever have expected that? No wonder these servants are called blessed. Jesus modeled this a little later to his disciples in a scene that they would never have expected. They came in, and what did Jesus do? He got out the serving equipment and he started washing their feet. They would never have expected that, but it happened. Jesus here, he's not just speaking about what he would do to his disciples later, there's these hints at what he would do for them, but he's also, in the bigger context, speaking about his return. And in what way will Christ wait on his faithful servants at his second coming? I don't know, but it's there. And in some way, the Bible speaks about rewards for those who are faithful. We don't know what those rewards are. There are going to be rewards given to those of us who stay faithful to him. But in some way here, we're not told how either. Jesus will one day serve us. I don't know how that's going to work, but I can't deny the passage. We'll see. But it is going to be a blessing on us. We will never expect it. It is going to be a complete blessing on us if we stay faithful to Him. And so there will be a reward. Verse 38 says, Forewarned is forearmed. Do you know the old saying? Be ready, he says. So whether the master comes back in the second watch, which would have been not such a good party, 9pm to midnight, or whether he comes home at the third watch, which would have been midnight three to 3am, that's a bit of a better party. Those of you are party animals. Be ready for when the master comes. You see, time doesn't matter. All we need to know is he is coming and are we ready? We need to be ready at all times as slaves doing what we've been told to do. The master will return when we are not expecting him. That's the point of what Jesus is saying there. You think you've got all your ducks in a row and Jesus is going to come when this, this, this and this happens, but you're going to be surprised because no man knows when he's coming again except the Father. And he's not going to fit into your agenda and your timetable for when he's going to return. You see, what do we usually do when we know something's going to happen? We can get ready for it, right? And I don't know if you like me, but you kind of leave things to number 99 sometimes. I know I've got to be there at 10, so I'll kind of do what I need to do at 5 to 10. 
Well, Jesus is going to come when you least expect it. Will you be ready for Him? Not on your agenda, but on His. And that's why Jesus mentions this example in verse 39 of the owner of the house. Do you think if the owner of the house knew that the thief was coming, that he wouldn't be prepared? Of course he would. Instead of standing here surveying the damage of what the thief has done, the master would have prepared himself. He would have got big strong guys in there, waited in the dark corners, and when the thief comes in, they nail him, right? Well, sometimes we approach life like that. We think we've got it all ready, we've been warned, but we do nothing in preparation. Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ? He's making quite, a, quite an announcement here. And he, he repeats himself from various angles to make sure that we understand. Tell me, what's your attitude to his coming again? 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 2 says this, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. There's that phrase again. We've been warned, you see. We've been warned the thief is coming. You get the picture. The thief is not Christ. It's his coming. He's going to come. Luke chapter 21, verse 34 to 36 says it slightly different terms. Listen to this. I'll put the reference up there for you. Luke 21, verse 34 to 36. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. You see how we start being unprepared for His coming? These things start weighing in on us. Dissipation, drunkenness, the cares of life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. I'll, I'll touch on that soon. There are certain signs that the Son of Man will be coming again. One of those things is going to be a great turning away from the Lord by many people. Another of those is going to be humongous wars that will happen and um, terrible things which are going to come upon God's people. And because of that, and the persecution coming upon God's people, many will turn away. So those will be some of the times. But you just start looking around at how many people are not walking with the Lord anymore. You start watching the news and seeing the, the wars. You start watching the persecution against God's people. Let's not set up our own time agendas. Let's leave it to the Lord. We need to be ready. Second Peter 3 verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are on them will be exposed. This is not a figurative description here. It will happen. As it says. Revelation chapter 3 verse 3 to 6. I want to show you there's plenty of evidence that He's coming again. We've been warned. Now the city of Sardis who this passage was written to in Revelation chapter 3, they were built up on a high place, on a rocky place. And they thought they were really safe because it was quite a well-defended place. It was a high rock. But there was one weakness. There was a big crack leading up this rock. And at night, and it happened twice to them in their history, good mountaineers in the armies could climb up that crack and get inside and open the gates. 
And then, what they also didn't know was, we know today, they were on a fault line. That's why the crack was there. And one major earthquake happened to Sidus. And a lot of the city was destroyed. And so when Jesus writes this passage through John to the church of Sidus and to us, they would have recognized what he's speaking about. And so this is what he says. Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. They had experienced that destruction three times. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are you hearing what the Spirit says to the church today? Are you ready? Well, it's not just being in a state of readiness. There's a warning here for us too and we find that in verses 41 to 48 of our passage where we have this parable of the faithful versus the unfaithful servants. And Jesus spells it out there. He speaks about the faithful servant, the one who the master trusts. And he appoints the servant to look after all his goods, to feed his servants, to do his business. And then the master goes away to return again. And what does the faithful servant do? The passage says to us here, verse 42, that he goes about his business. He does it faithfully. And when the master returns... The master sees that what he has done is good. And he rewards him. How? He gives him a promotion. He puts him in charge of all his master's goods. Jesus is again pointing to rewards which will be there for the faithful one day. If we remain faithful. But now look at verse 45. It says there, if this very same servant has a different attitude of mind. If he should just think unfaithful thoughts like my master is a long time in coming. In other words, the implication is because it was not an easy way to travel those days, maybe my master has been killed. He might never come back. He's overdue already so I'd better just take charge. But it gets to his head, you see. And what does he do? He starts beating the men and the, the male and the female servants. He starts making misuse of the master's food. He starts giving himself more of the portion and not handing out the portions as he should to the servants. He starts getting drunk instead of staying alert for his master and looking after his responsibility for the master. And so what happens when the master suddenly and unexpectedly returns, says his passage? Well, the master finds him in that state and what does he do? It says here, verse 46, and take note of this verse. He will be what? Now, I'm not saying this. The Bible's saying that. He will be cut in pieces. He will be assigned a place with the unbelievers. He will be whipped. You see, why does the Bible speak in this language? The term or the phrase cut in pieces was often used all over Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, and Jesus' hearers would have heard it, about judgment in Israel. Didn't God at many times in Israel's history, when they were 
faithless to the Lord, didn't he cut them to pieces? And they lost many, many lives before the enemies. Didn't he dishonor them? Didn't he send them into exile and a place among a foreign nation? Didn't he have them whipped as slaves in Egypt? They would recognize this language, you see. And so what Jesus is saying here is, the master comes back, he sees the servant who is not being faithful to him, and he judges the unfaithful servant severely. Now these two bits of application here. And please take note, Jesus is not saying here that a believer can lose your salvation. Because some have used this passage to say that a believer can lose your salvation. If you do not stay faithful, then you will land up in hell. You will lose your salvation. No, no. The Bible will never speak against itself. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 30 says, Our salvation is grounded in the work of Christ in us. So if the work of salvation is the work of Christ in us, how can anything I do affect that? That's on the one side. And yet the Bible also speaks about that I have to participate in the ongoing work of what? Sanctification with Him. I cannot lose my salvation. But there are two points of application here. And the one I believe is to unbelievers and then I'll get to you as believers which the main thrust of the passage is at. To unbelievers. There might be some of you who've been going to churches and you've been going to church your whole life. And when people look at you, they think you're a Christian. You might even be serving in the church. You might be on a diaconate. You might be serving as a Sunday school teacher. And yet you've never given your life to the Lord. People think you're a Christian, but you're not. And on that day when the Master comes home, He will see your heart and He will know you are not a faithful servant. Others may have been fooled, but He will not be fooled and you will be sent to judgment. Be warned this morning. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Come to Him and be saved. You have been warned. There is still time. The Master has not yet returned. But there's a word of warning here to us as believers as well. And it's this. Grace does not end your accountability. Yes, Jesus has done a great work of free grace in your life. He has brought you from darkness to light. And daily He works in your life. But that doesn't mean you can fold your arms, sit back in the armchair, pull the slippers up, and say, right, Lord, you do it now. The Lord wants us to work with Him as He makes us more holy. The goal of grace is to create a people who are faithful to Him, who are zealous in their service for the Lord. Titus puts it out like this. Listen to these words. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. Speaking about grace. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That's his part. Our part starts in the next verse. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope 
the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Do you see the interaction there? Scripture stays true to Scripture and this principle is brought home to us here. Keep yourself ready for action. Keep your lamps trimmed. Stay faithful to your master. That is your responsibility. The master's responsibility is to come and to do what he does. His work of grace in your life. God does care what we do with our everyday lives. We are to be waiting actively for His return. So what does the application look like? I want to bring four things to you as we come to the end of this passage. Four bits of application that I want to put before your minds. And I want to ask you to consider these with the help of the Holy Spirit working in your life this morning. First one is this one. Be watching. I'll try to make it as short as possible, right? Be watching. Exclamation mark. You see, it's so easy to stop watching, to get into cruise mode. Do you think Jesus is coming today? Well, if not, you'd better know the big picture. He does, but you don't. You'd better be ready because He will come, what did we just learn, when you least expect Him. Don't think He'll fit into your interpretation. We cannot know exactly when He will return. There are some signs that will happen, but be careful and be very suspicious of those who put a date down. If you hear someone saying he's going to come on the 17th of January 2015, steer well away, go away, go and do something else. It's not worth listening to them. They are a false prophet. Because what they will do is, they will kind of make you think, okay, it's then, so I've got time till the 15th of January 2015. Meanwhile, Jesus might come before. False prophets. Only the Father knows when the Son will come. Second application is this. Not just be watching, but be waiting. There's a difference. There's an act of waiting for the Lord. Concentrate on being faithful the whole time that He's gone. Look forward to the day when your Master appears. Put your hope in Him. How? Daily. Put your hope in Him daily. Fix your eyes on Him Daily. And He will do the rest. He will purify you. 1 John 3, verses 2 to 3 says it this way. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. So, be actively waiting. Christ will make you pure. You don't need to worry about that. But be actively waiting and serving Him. And that leads me to the third point. Be working. We've got be watching, be waiting, but there's no sitting like this. It is be working. Work. Do you serve others as the Master would have you serve? If you're a parent, do you serve your children as the Master would have you serve them? 
If you're a teacher, do you teach children under your care, whether they're at Sunday school or at school, do you teach them as the Master would have you serve? If you're a leader in this church, do you look after God's people and serve them the way the Master would have you serve? As a pastor, do I pastor this congregation as God would have me do it, as a faithful servant? There's work to be done. We are to love each other actively in the congregation. Do you look out for each other actively? It's part of your service to the Master. And then lastly, be ready. Now you think it's kind of the same. It's not. Look at it. Be watching, be waiting, be working, be ready. Stay dressed for action. And the the underlining word there is stay dressed. It's good enough to put the working clothes on now, but... After a while, you're going to take them off and put something more casual on. Stay dressed for action spiritually. Stay dressed. Keep your lamps burning. How do we do that practically? Well, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Put on the spiritual armor of the Lord daily. You see, we forget too quickly we're in a battle. You need to get dressed in your army uniform daily. And then you're serving the Lord. You need to tuck in and get the servant stuff on daily and then you'll be serving the Lord. Get dressed daily. Through love, serve one another, says Galatians 5.13. Are we going to allow another Sunday to come and go and I still haven't served anyone, just myself, my own needs, things I want? Keep your lamp burning. Keep the oil of God's Word in you. Daily, read His Word, memorize it, take it in. Psalm 119.11 says, I, I will store up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Are you storing His Word in your heart? Or is the oil in your lamp running quite low? The little red light, if it had an LED, would flick on by now. Do you enable... Do you receive the enablement of the Spirit in you daily to do His work? Or are you trying to work it in your own strength? Does that light in you shine brightly to those around you who need to see the light of your Master, who need to hear the good news of the Gospel? Are you a bright light shining for Him? Or does your wick need to be trimmed? And you know the way the Lord trims our wicks? He uses His Word in us. He uses our conscience in us He uses the Spirit to cut into our lives so that we shine brighter. If you are in a state of readiness in this way, then you will be a true servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to leave one verse with you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 to 29. Okay, two verses. 1 John chapter 2. Verses 28 to 29. Now here, the Apostle John here. And now, little children, you hear the love? Now, little children, abide in Him. What does the word abide mean? Yes? No, not just obey. I know there's someone here who can answer this one. What does the word abide mean? Sorry? Persist. It actually literally means, yes, continue, yes, you're getting there. The literal picture here was to pitch your tents here and stay here for a while. Make your home here. In other words, abide in Him. 
so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. There are going to be plenty on that day that are going to shrink away from Him when He comes. And the Bible describes that they're going to try and throw the rocks of the earth over them to protect themselves, but they will have no protection on that day when He comes. Let's not shrink away from Him because we have been abiding in Him daily. If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who, yes, practices righteousness has been born of Him. You want to be ready for the Lord? Then practice righteousness. And that's why I handed you out a little round to it. It's a little memory jogger. It's actually a contradiction in terms. Because that verse on the round to it says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect it. And yet, I have a round to it attitude to that. It can't be. But reality says I do. We need to sort our attitudes out before the Lord. Put this up somewhere on your fridge as a bookmark in your car and be reminded, don't have a round to it attitude to your spiritual life. Be actively involved in getting ready for the coming again of the Lord. He is coming. Fact. When He comes, only He knows. Are you ready? Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we thank You that You know that very minute, that very second, when Your Son, the victorious Jesus Christ, will again appear on this earth. Thank You that You've given us so many passages in Your Word, Your inspired living Word to us, that tell us and warn us that He who was slain and risen again is coming again. And we need to be ready. Lord, thank you that in your timing, as a church and as individuals, you have brought this passage to our attentions. Because, Lord, so quickly we get into the round to it attitude in our lives. We forget the urgency. We put on the slippers and we get in the cruise mode. Lord, save us from ourselves. Save us from a sense of emergency. Lord, may we see your coming as imminent. May we stay actively serving you as your servants, staying in your word, serving those around us, so that when the Master appears, we will be called blessed. Keep us faithful, we pray, through your Spirit. Amen.